0: that song, you know that it talks about the saints that go through a lot of different things, but it says they all come through the blood. Amen. You all have to pass through the blood, the fountain of the blood of Jesus Christ, to get your sins washed and cleansed. Thank the Lord. Well, it's good to be in God's house this morning. I trust you've come expecting what God has for us and looking forward to worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's stand and start our service with prayer. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for this beautiful weather that you've granted to us. After all the rain, it's wonderful to have the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, that we can have the sunshine in our hearts all year long, no matter what the weather may be, no matter what the world around us may uh, be partaking of or might be happening around us, whether good or bad. We thank you, Lord, for your sunshine. We thank you, Lord, for your sun. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We thank you for the cross, and we thank you for your blood that you shed on Calvary. We ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts. Minister to us, we pray this morning. We've come to meet with you. We desire, Lord, to hear from heaven. Speak to our hearts and direct this service, we pray. May it bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Trust you're ready to worship the Lord this morning. Come, sister, and lead us in worship
1: well it's good to be in church again this morning feel God's presence let's start with number four a song of praise praise him praise him coming up to Thanksgiving and perhaps we think more of Praise and thanksgiving at a special time like that, but that's the attitude of, our, of a Christian all year long, isn't it? Man. Number four. <clears throat>
2: This is the crucible
1: that phrase that says, tell of his excellent greatness. That expresses a lot, doesn't it? All right, shall we turn back to number 107, I will praise him. Shall we stand together as we sing?
2: to pray
1: that, honoring the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the part they each have in our salvation. Thank you for your good singing.
0: Amen. He certainly is worthy of our praise, isn't he? Thank the Lord he's done great things. Praise his name. Amen. Maybe you have a testimony on your heart this morning. Yes. A Good. In. Good. Praise and the Lord. Lord
1: with him. Amen. And I
0: thank the Lord for that. Amen. Thank the Lord for conviction. Man, we have to have that to even want to Be ready to step away from sin. Got to get our eyes open to the truth. Aren't you so glad for the Holy Spirit that reveals truth unto us? I tell you, there's nothing uh, more detrimental, I guess, than being deceived or being in the wrong way or following the wrong pathway, and that's being there and not knowing it. There's nothing like being lost and not knowing it. told you about the time we were lost in New York street preacher friend of mine and and I, it was our first time in New York driving some of the downtown streets and we plugged it in the GPS and we thought we knew where we were going. He put it in there and I said you need help with that he said I got it. He said it already popped up and I selected it and we're on our way. We got to the place where we were supposed to meet up with some other street preachers and there were just a bunch of tall buildings around, some warehouses and we said I don't think this is the place we intended to go. We had punched Avenue in, I think it was supposed to be Street, and uh, took us to a different part. We had to call up the guy and say, hey, it's going to take us a little while to get over there. We, we, uh, we got misguided. And uh, I'm so thankful we don't have to wait till we get to our destination spiritually to find out that we've been misguided. Thank the Lord for truth. Thank the Lord for His Word. Amen. Being able to read His Scriptures. Well, I guess that's kind of my testimony this morning. Maybe someone else has one. <laughs> Praise His name.
1: Praise the Lord. I'm glad He took me in.
0: Amen. When I look back, I, I don't understand how He ever convinced me or helped me to walk <coughs> the right way. But I thank Him that He did. I thank Him for the blood. I thank yes. Him for giving my sins. Amen. Wash me in the blood. Praise the Lord. You. I love Jesus. And by Amen. His grace, I'm, I'm glad to make it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good, good. Thank the Lord. Anyone else? Yes. I want to thank the Lord for the ever present help that He gives and has given this week. And thankful for our spirit's been ministering to me and speaking to me. Praise the Lord. um, I also want to thank the Lord for a new piece we got this morning. Um, She was born about noon, Thailand time. That's where my brother lives and his family. Um, I'm so thankful. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Blessing of life. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Worship for the King. Praise for the Lord. Very much appropriate. That's what we came here to do. Amen. Glorify Him. Well, we'll give you opportunity to maybe after we pray. Let's prepare our hearts to go to prayer. We do have much to pray for. Praise his name. I'll give you another opportunity if you feel you need to lift up your voice and praise to the Lord. Any other testimonies this morning? Amen. All right. Well, if Brother Mike will come, we'll pass the plate. Remember the little illustration, and I believe it was true. So, you know, so you hear some stories, and they're kind of interesting, but then when they're true, you know, they're really interesting. And this one story said that this little boy it was his first time in church. And after he got back home, somebody asked him, he said, What was your favorite time in the service? And he said, My favorite time was when they passed out the money. He said, I got a dime. <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're blessed to be able to give back to the Lord the small portion which He's given to us. And. Uh, I'm glad that money hasn't had to be a focus for us. Uh, I don't think it ever should be that way. The Lord has always provided for us. And some people say, well, the Lord wants to do more, but the people, they just need to give more. And I say, well, you know, He'll provide whatever it is according to His will. And sometimes if He's not providing, sometimes that means you need to make adjustments and tighten the shoelaces a little bit and stop up those holes in the leaky bucket a little bit. But the Lord has provided for us. And uh, most of all, we just want to make sure that the heat's on in here and the lights are on and there's a place where people in the community and and people like you can come and meet with the Lord. And so we trust you to just find the Lord. And that is not a a plea to give more money. That's just making it clear that we're not about money here. And uh, God loves a cheerful giver and he wants a gift from our heart. Amen. He doesn't have to pry it out of us. He's got the resources on a thousand hills. One one preacher said, it might have been Buddy Robinson. He said he owns All the hills and all the cattle on the hills. He said, all the potatoes in the hills. He said, so if the depression hits, at least we'll have potatoes and beef. (laughs) But anyway, mind the Lord this morning, you're giving. Brother, would you ask the blessing? our praise. This little slip of paper is here. I I guess maybe we don't have it passed out, but I like the words of this song. I glance over here and see it every once in a while. It says, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen. Thank the Lord he is not as interested in having a building to meet in as he is interested in having a heart to meet in and dwell in, thank the Lord. Trust He's ruling in your heart this morning, regardless of what the outside world may be doing, regardless about the un, uh, unpredictable upcoming events. <laughs> we think maybe we know what's going to happen, and we tend to do that, you know. We we feel like we've got a right to have an opinion. My, my grandpa used to say, said, if you'd get in a, in a discussion where you had a, a difference in opinions, he said, well, he said, I guess you just have as much right to be wrong as anybody else. <laughs> we always feel like we know what's going to happen. But the Lord is in control no matter what happens. Amen? Amen? Thank the Lord. Praise His name. Well, I believe we have a special plan for this morning. Why don't you come and mind the Lord?
2: before us lies the path is hidden from our eyes and jesus leads while faith he tries just one step at a time just one step at a time just one step at a time time. time. that's the way he leads to glory just one step at a time the road he takes we need not know but follow in the steps that glow and trust him as on we go just one step at a time just one step one at a time at a time just, just one step, step at a time that's the way he leads to glory just one step at a time we need not fear what lies ahead, nor anxious be, nor filled with dread, the saints before were safely led, just one step at a time, just one step at a time, just one step at a time, time. time. that's the way he to glory, just one step Amen. at a time. Amen. Amen.
0: So true. So true. Some people get all overwhelmed and bent out of shape. And I think many times that happens because they've known a person who's been unreasonable with them. And uh, they, they get all bent out of shape thinking that God is going to expect more out of them than what he's shown them. But that really is the recipe for spiritual success is just one step at a time. One step at a time, day by day, moment by moment. Amen. Praise his holy name. Thank the Lord. All hearts clear this morning. Well,
1: am right for the
0: that he gives us in- Amen.
1: That's right. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for His keeping grace today. Amen. Uh, that the future is in His hands. It really is. He knows what we need. It,
0: and He's able to give it to us. Praise the Lord. Good. Good. Amen. Thank the Lord. Anybody else? Amen. I want you to mind the Lord. don't want you to second guess. And think that maybe my uh, asking if your heart is clear is a way the Lord may speak to you, and it may be. I don't want to rule that out either, but just want you to mind the Lord. He's worthy of our praise, isn't He? Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I know we've looked at this passage before, this uh, passage of uh, verse number 1 through 3. Uh, I believe I preached a message not too long ago uh, on the topic of keeping your relationship fresh with Jesus. I trust you are keeping your relationship fresh with Jesus. I want us to look at a particular word that uh, I feel like the Lord wants us to grasp a hold of this morning. But when you found the passage, Psalm chapter 34, 1 through3, stand with me if you would. We're going to read the passage. Uh, I'll read it to you, I guess, and after which we'll have prayer, and you can be seated. Psalms chapter 34, verses one through three. He says, "Here, "I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth." My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Let us pray. We love you, Lord. and We thank you for how you've ministered to us already in the service. We thank you for how you've enlightened our spiritual eyes in times past. To the truth that you have for us and how you've shown us when there's times we need to make adjustments and get back on course. Maybe areas in which we need to grow. Areas in which we need to go back and make things right. We thank you for those times. We thank you for your direction and for your instruction. And we ask, Lord, that you would instruct us this morning. As we look at your word, we pray that you administer to our heart simultaneously. Reveal the truth to us that we may walk according to your will. In Jesus' name, to your glory. Amen. You may be seated. I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I forgot to mention, um, there's, so, there'll be some CDs on the back table back there. They'll look like this. Um, didn't feel directed to touch on the topic of Halloween, but many of you know that uh, October 31st was Halloween. And I didn't feel directed to bring a message to you along those lines, Uh, but the title of this message that I preached, I think it was back in 2017, so it's a little bit old. I've grown a little bit since then along the lines of delivery. Uh, I feel like maybe I could do a better job, but nonetheless wanted to share that with you. And The the title is Halloween, A Biblical View, A Biblical View of Halloween. There'll be some CDs on the back desk back there. There are more uh, where those came from, so uh, we do have enough for everyone. If you desire to take one home with you, you can take it home and keep it. You can take it home and bring it back. Uh, or you can just leave it back there and walk by and view it from a distance. Whatever you want to do. But I thought I'd provide that resource for you, a biblical study uh, on Halloween. So there will be uh, plenty. So if, if uh, you go back there to get one and somebody else has already grabbed one, that's totally fine. Uh, just let us know. We didn't want to Uh, bring out and put a whole stack on there, but there are enough for everybody, so let us know if you would like one and didn't get to get the opportunity to get one. Anyway, picking back up here in the message, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And he says the praise of the Lord will continually be in his mouth. I don't want us to pass over that all times and continually. But I want us mostly to focus on this one word in verse number 3, the second word in number 3. He says, magnify. Magnify. Verse number 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Magnify the Lord with me. I want to talk to you about magnifying the Lord. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? What is He trying to encourage us or exhort us to do when He says, magnify the Lord with me? What kind of reactions will that have on our life if we choose to magnify the Lord? Amen. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy to be magnified. And I want us to look at that this morning. There are some other passages that we'll probably turn to and look at. But he says, essentially in these passages here, he says he's not just going to magnify the Lord on special occasions, not just on Thanksgiving. I appreciate the time of Thanksgiving. And I hope you don't misunderstand me. I I love the time of Thanksgiving. I think maybe the only person that doesn't like Thanksgiving is maybe those turkeys. (laughs) One of them said, uh, the preacher said, "What, what are we having? For, for supper. Who are we having over for lunch?" And The little boy said, Mom says we're having that old turkey again. Gonna <laughs> have the turkey for lunch. Different people have different customs. Sometimes people do turkey, sometimes ham, and uh, I guess maybe some people would do chicken if they had the option. But it's not really about the turkey, it's not really about the food, but it's about giving thanks it's about reviewing and understanding the blessings that God has given to us and uh, I appreciate Thanksgiving because it's a time to remind ourselves to focus on our blessings as the one song says count your many blessings name them one by one count your many blessings and see what God has done you know sometimes to get a proper understanding of what God's done in your life you sometimes you do have to stop sometimes you have to sit down sometimes it means opening your Bible Sometimes it means opening a hymn book or opening a spiritual journal. Sometimes maybe just pausing for a moment of time and reflecting and reviewing about how God has worked in your life. And uh, I think a time to gather together in church and to give thanks to the Lord is a time to review those moments when God has blessed us and given us blessings and God has done things to help us. That's really a lot of what testimony time is. A time to give thanks to the Lord for what He's done. And through the New Testament, it encourages the New Testament church to gather together and talk about what God has done for them. Because it encourages not only us, but it encourages other people, other believers. And it's a time to gather together to worship. We we come together for one cause, not because we all share the favorite color. We don't have to agree on the same color to make it to heaven. Aren't you so glad? Some people are just they're just so concerned about their favorites and their preferences and they think that the whole world revolves around making other people appreciate the things that they appreciate and when it comes to physical things we can appreciate having a certain kind of vehicle i remember growing up and hearing the jokes about fords and the jokes about chevys and the jokes about dodges and i thought man when i get my driver's license i just want something that's going to drive i'm just excited about getting behind the wheel i don't really care what kind of vehicle it is and i still kind of feel that way I tend to have ended up with some Chevys. Uh, some people say, well, you like Chevys. And I say, well, I don't, I don't know if they're the best. I know how to work on them, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, without getting too sidetracked, I don't want us to pass over this, this thought here along the lines of magnifying the Lord that He talks about continually. And He talks about at all times. Continually at all times. Noah Webster he says that the word continually means without Paul's, or it means unceasingly. I like that. And that's challenging when we think about that in conjunction to magnifying the Lord, to praising Him at all times. It's easy to praise God when we come together and we open up the hymn book and our sister leads us in a hymn that lifts our soul and encourages us to think about the biblical principles that God has given to us in His Word. It's encouraging, and it's easy in those times. Well, I guess I should be clear, sometimes it's more easier than others, isn't it? We come in sometimes with our baggage from the world, and uh, sometimes it's good just to mentally put your baggage down outside the doors when you come in. You can pick it right back up when you go out if if you choose to, if you feel like you need that baggage, if you feel like you need those burdens. I remember my grandpa, when it come time to preach more than once, he would say, Okay, ladies. He said, put down your sewing machines. Okay, men, put down your hammers and your wrenches. And let's worship the Lord together. Let's focus on Him. But he's talking about continually. It doesn't mean that you never have to pick up an instrument of work, a tool, or a device to accomplish things. But really, it's, it's a condition of your heart. It's really you get to the place in your heart where you're worshiping the Lord continually. We're always magnifying the Lord continually. And I believe if it's in our hearts, I think if we had examine our hearts and make sure that it's in our hearts and that God is ruling in our life and that we're magnifying the Lord in ourself and in our heart, our own life, I think it'll come out. I think it'll come out during testimony time, and it does. I think it'll come out in the world, and it does. I think it'll come out in our time when we're by ourselves, and it does. It'll, it'll come out in the kind of thoughts that reign in our mind. The kind of thoughts that are most popular in our mind will have control of those things. To magnify. To magnify. No, Webster says that magnify means to make great or greater. It means to increase the apparent dimensions of a body. It means a convex lens magnify as a convex lens magnifies the bulk of a body to the eye. It means to make great in representation, to extol, to exalt in description or praise, to elevate, to raise in estimation or to esteem. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty challenging. I guess maybe I would contend this morning that if we would focus On the Lord and magnify the Lord like we should it'll change everything about our life and I think there are times when after we become a Christian after we've been been saved after we've been sanctified after we've been forgiven of our sins after we've been made holy to works of grace that God wants to do in the heart that after that there are times when we need to just recalibrate spiritually we need to refocus We need to make sure that we're magnifying the Lord. As I studied this passage and studied this word in the Scripture, biblically speaking and, of course, according to this thought line that we're talking about this morning of magnifying the Lord, here's a definition that I put together. To magnify the Lord means to bring into proper focus. means taking that which is already grand and glorious And making it magnificent to the beholder. Let me remind you that we have like lenses that help us magnify things. We have lenses. Some of you have lenses that are in a frame. Some of you have lenses that are just in your eye, on on your eye. We have binoculars. We have magnifying glass. And I've been amazed at the whole world. And the creation that God has blessed us with that you can take a magnifying glass and drop down on your knees and look at the micro life. Or you could take a a microscope and put it under a microscope and see the little life that's almost invisible just to the human eye by itself. But then you could sit back on a starlit night when there's no clouds in the sky and take a telescope. And they say the The better they build these telescopes, the more that they're seeing out there in the galaxies and God's creation. It's just, it's so small, yet it's so detailed, yet it's so big and so vast. Only a great God could create a world like that to demonstrate Himself. We talked about last Sunday night about faith and how God has blessed us with a whole lot of things that are visible, a whole world that's visible, but to remember that behind all that is a Creator that is not visible to us right now, that there's coming a day that we will be able to see Him, we will be able to behold Him with our eyes and be able to be with Him physically. And that's going to be a grand day, isn't it? Amen. I guess I want to talk to you this morning along the lines of bringing God into focus, maybe having a proper perspective of God. And there are different ways that we should do that, and there are different things we need to be reminded of that will encourage us along those lines. When I think of magnify, of course, I think of a microscope. I think of a magnifying glass. I think of a telescope. I think of binoculars and monoculars. You know what a monocular is? It's a binoculars for a one-eyed man. Well, not really exactly. It's just a one-eyed binocular. I remember my dad got me a one-eyed binocular, a monocular. And I said, wow, this is a neat binocular. He said, that's actually a monocular. I said, well, that's pretty cool. And it was pretty strong. I remember setting it up on a tripod, and you almost had to have it on a tripod because you couldn't hold it still enough because it would zoom in so far. And I remember looking across the field up in a tree and just scanning the branches and seeing little birds, little songbirds on the other side of a big field and watching the little life over there. I said, they probably don't even know who's watching them. (laughs) They probably don't even know somebody's watching them from across the field and across the street. But I thought, man, wouldn't that be neat to be able to see that way with both eyes? <laughs> well, they make binoculars. They do. It's for both eyes. And I've had times where I got a pair of binoculars and looked down. I ordered this pair of binoculars one time, this set of binoculars, I guess you'd call it, and got it in. And it was supposed to be pretty, pretty powerful. Got it in and put it up to my eyes, and I said, man, I can't quite see. It's blurry. And there was a little knob up there to make adjustments. You're probably familiar with that. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. But there's a little adjuster to bring things into focus. This particular one, had a few different adjustments. You you could do the zoom in and zoom out, and then you could bring the other thing into focus, and then you could also adjust each eye individually. A lot of people don't know it, but maybe if you've been to the doctor very much, the eye doctor, you know that you tend to have one eye that's more dominant, you tend to have a dominant eye, and sometimes it's your right, sometimes it's your left. It's never both of them at the same time. Some people uh, can be more dominant with their right or their left. It just depends on what they're doing. But a lot of times, you have one eye that's uh, not as strong as the other one. One one eye will be a little more dominant. The other eye will be a little less dominant. It'll be a little less strong. And as you tend to to uh, need to get um, you know corrective lenses and those sorts of things, which I've been blessed not to have yet, the Lord knows that I have enough to deal with already but I'm sure when the time comes I'll have to get a pair of glasses or contacts I don't know I see Micah do those contacts and I think I know why the Lord blessed me with good eyesight I don't know if I'd have the patience to mess around with that little thing in my eye I think it'd probably just fall out when I've been over anyway a lot of interesting things but a lot of times on your glasses you'll have one eye that's a little bit stronger and so on binoculars the two lenses you can adjust one and that way you can see properly with both eyes and I remember uh, before I realized that you could do that I had a pair of binoculars and like I told you open them up and looked in them and I said "Boy, they're not in focus so I adjusted them a little bit I said well it seems like it came back into focus but then it's out of focus and what it was doing is it was more focused in one eye than it was the other one and it would tend to get adjusted well that looks better and then adjusted back well it looks better than the other one I didn't know that you could adjust them and get them both the same I think spiritually speaking Really, when it talks about magnifying God, He's not asking us to make God bigger than what He already is. And when you take a magnifying glass down to a little ant, you're not making that ant any bigger. When you take a telescope and you uh, stand on the other end of it, you're not making the galaxies any smaller. You're really not changing the size of anything, but all you're doing is changing how it appears to the viewer, to the beholder. You've heard it said that love is in the eyes of the beholder. Maybe that's true. I don't know. I don't really care. Let's not go down that way. We'll get sidetracked. (laughs) We're still newlyweds. (laughs) I love my wife. I think she's beautiful. Still think she's the most beautiful woman alive. I appreciate the blessings of a good wife. Waited a lot of years for her. Anyway, you'll admire when she turns red here in a few moments. But... All that to say that really we're not changing the size of God. We're not making Him any bigger the more we praise Him. He's not getting any smaller when people choose to ignore Him. It doesn't make Him more powerful when there's more Christians alive or on the earth. He doesn't become any, any weaker when some of the saints die off. He's always the same. We need to remember that, the God is always the same. He's unchanging. You read about how big He is in the Old Testament. You read about the many things that he did in the old testament his power his greatness his mercy his compassion his long-suffering his love his, his provisions you think of his promises and his good record that he has and that hasn't changed one little bit as we see our society is changing from being a godly society to be a wicked society really it's just the minority i believe Moving towards the enemy, moving towards the direction of sin, allowing the enemy to have his right of way. But really, God isn't changing. God isn't getting any smaller. God isn't growing old and feeble. He's not getting wrinkly. His vision is not growing dim. He doesn't cease to be compassionate or understanding. He still is the same God. But it would do our hearts good. It would do good to the beholder to have a proper perspective of what we're looking at. What we're focusing on. That has to be a focus point. Amen? You can take that uh, magnifying glass and you can go over here and you could look at something. You could go over here and look at the detail of God's creation. You could go step right outside that door probably. I used to to like to go around at night with a flashlight and go and look at the nightlife that comes out at night. You know, there is nightlife in nature. And I used to like to go in the grass or go along the edge of the creek or go along the edge of a pond or sometimes go out in a boat and just be real quiet. Just row it real quietly and just kind of glide across the water and shine the light down in there and look and see what's out. There's a whole other world that comes out in the insect world and the animal life and the reptile life and all of that. But that doesn't change just because you go to bed, close your eyes, go to sleep. It's still the same. It's still the same. But you get to choose what you want to focus on. You choose what you want to focus on. You can focus on good or you can focus on bad. You can focus on things that will encourage you or you can focus on things that will discourage you. I talked about the media and I, I talked to a friend and they said he was talking about the media and I said, yeah, I said I've been talking to a lot of my friends about the media. I've been talking to a lot of people about the media because the, the media is getting people discouraged I said, you know what, if all you did was take five minutes to read every news article that it was published in the whole world just for that day, if you took time to try to research and find out what everybody else did, you would take your day, and while other people were doing stuff, all you'd be doing is be learning about what they did. You'd be stepping back to the world of observation. God just doesn't want us to step back to the world of uh, of observation and not do anything, but rather if we get a proper perspective of God, it will make us do things. Amen? It will make us have a a burden for the loss. It will make us have proper praise in our heart. I I like uh, the book from A.W. Tozer. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read it. I'm not one to sell books or really try to promote books other than the Bible. I love the Bible and I think... We should all have a Bible and have a love to read the Bible and study it. But there's been some other books in my life that's helped me along the way and encouraged me to have a proper perspective of the Bible. And one of those is A.W. Tozer's book on knowledge of the holy. Knowledge of the holy. And he talks about our perspective of God. And he poses this question. He said, how you think about God. What comes to mind when you think about God is probably the most important thought in your life. And I think that's true. We need to think properly about God. If we think properly about God, it will change every area of our life. I mean, everything. Every area that you can think of in your life will be changed by viewing God properly, by magnifying Him properly. We need to understand here that this passage is not just talking about bringing God into focus for ourselves, but the goal is that we would bring God into the focus of other people. But we can't do that unless we've brought God into the focus of ourselves and we know what we're doing How would you feel if you had an accident or an incident happen? Or maybe you found out one day that you had a cataract on your eye and you went to the hospital. And they say, yes, we can help you. Come right back here. So we've done the checkups. We've checked everything out. And we've done this eye exam and all the preparation. And we found out that you're going to need to have eye surgery to give you proper vision. Maybe it's to remove a cataract. Maybe to put in a lens. My brother, when he was younger, we had a four-wheeler accident where a, a sticker, we weren't wearing goggles or helmet, we, didn't, we weren't concerned about those things, and a sticker come up and got him in the eye. And uh, he had to go in and get a cataract removed, get all the foreign tissue, of the damaged tissue out of his eye, and then he had to go, had to do another surgery and go in and put a little tiny lens in his eye, put an artificial lens in his eye. Now that's some serious stuff, don't ask me to do that. Say if you had to have eye surgery and they say, we've checked you out, we know exactly what you need. And I said, don't worry about it, we have this eye specialist. He's been doing it for a lot of years, he's really good at it. He's an eye surgeon, he's blind, but he's a really good eye surgeon. How would you feel about that? In contrast to that, I want to ask you, how do you think a world would feel Does somebody come in to introduce God to them when their life doesn't exemplify God? When their life doesn't bring God glory? They would probably laugh just like you did. And many of them do. Spiritually, we need to have proper sight ourselves, And then God wants us to go and help others have proper sight of Him. Again, we're not changing God. We're just bringing God into focus. As I think of the things of focus, I think of photography. It reminded me of photography. And Jeremy, he's been drilling me on photography. He's been learning about photography and, and all these things about the lenses and all these technical terms. And he's trying to tell me this stuff. And I said, man, I don't know. You just probably have to show me. I don't know if my, my uh, head is thick or if it's thin. <laughs> One of the two. But how do you get good at it is you try, you try it, you try it out. And in photography, there's different things. There's, of course, different kind of lenses. There's wide angle, which tries to get a wide angle, tries to get the whole grand perspective. And then you have some that are macro lens, like a macro lens. One time, uh, a photographer wanted me to help them out with their wedding. And I said, I am not a photographer. And they said, well, you know. Well, there's nobody else to do it. And here's the camera. I want you to give it a try. I said, oh, well, I'll give it a try. Nothing to, nothing to lose, really, I guess. There's nobody else to do it. So they said, I uh, want you to do all the macro shots. And I said, macro shots? What's that? And they explained to me, they said, well, this is the lens for the things that are up close to bring them into focus, the, the little tiny things that help them help us to be able to see them. And so I said, oh, OK. I said, you mean like the Bible on the pillow for the, for the uh, giving of the covenant? And they said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, like, mean, that, like the candles and the decorations and things like, yeah, yeah, okay. I said, well, I'll give it a try. And so I did all the photography and the macro lens. It's just for stuff up close. You couldn't even focus on the back door if you had one up here, just for stuff up close. There's the wide angle. There's the lenses that have zoom for the things that are far away. I have a friend that's got a really, really uh, good, good lens. I guess that's what he says. He's always talking about how I can zoom into things that are really far away there's some some photographers when they go to some place they ask the customer so what do you want what do you want us to do and some people say well I I just want you to uh, capture the moment I just want to be able to remember this moment I don't really care how it looks I just want you to capture the moment so we can relive the moment every time we uh, look at this picture or view this film and so okay well that's pretty easy that's not too hard other people say well I I want you to focus on the subject what is the subject well maybe it's a piece of property or a landscape or maybe a building Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes people say to the photographer, they'll say, well, I want you to make me look good in the pictures. <laughs> oh, that's probably a big request. <laughs> make you look good in the pictures. Oh, why? Some people would say, well, that's, that's a tough job to do that. And sometimes they'll have a lens. that They have filters even. Um, there's all kinds of perspectives in photography that could teach us a lot of spiritual lessons. And maybe Jeremy should help us out with that. I don't know, he's been trying to help me out. Some of it's not sticking. He asked me, I think it was the other day, he said, have you heard of a GoPro 9? I said, no, I don't think so. He said, yeah, I told you about it when we talked before. I said, well, I must not have been listening. I don't know how we're gonna make any headway if if that's how he's gonna teach me, if it's not gonna stick in my head. The job of a photographer, what is the job of the photographer? What is your job spiritually? as you try to bring God into good view in your own life. And how can you do that? You know of all the editing tools that's available on computers and devices and of all the lenses that are out there and all the filters there's one basic principle that they haven't been able to change as far as I know and that is if you capture a photograph and everything is blurry you can't bring it back into focus once it's captured blurry you can't refocus it afterwards you, you can take a a focus picture and make it blurry you can blur out certain portions I've seen people take a picture of something and maybe a a tree or a statue or something and they'll blur out the background or sometimes they'll blur out what's right in front of them and then it'll focus on the background they'll change their focus points but I haven't heard of anybody who can take a photograph that's blurry and then make it crystal clear. But the good news is we have the ability to make those adjustments, to twist and turn, if you will, on the lens of our life to bring things into proper perspective so that we can have a proper perspective of God. Though the photographer can't go back in the moment and can't capture something that's been out of focus, we have the ability to be able to do that. There's all the ground photography, of course, some of you know that I like to fly drones and I like to get into aerial photography and viewing things from up high. They used to do that with all airplanes and helicopters. It used to be pretty expensive. We had a guy come by our house one time years ago and he said, hey, got this photograph, I'd like to sell you. I said, man, how did you get that photograph? So we flew over your house with an airplane. We were in the area and we took pictures of these different properties and like to sell you one. They even have photographs, they take photographs from space. That's pretty far out there. I don't know if that'd do you much good. You probably couldn't see very much. And then in the military, they used to have those spy planes that would fly over like the SR-71, fly over somebody else's country and spy on them and take photographs. They said the photograph in there was about the size of a big chest freezer. They'd load the, or the, the camera rather, they'd load it into the unit, had the memory and it was all programmed to take pictures in certain areas so they could see what the enemy was doing. But what is it worth to us to have a proper perspective of God? What are you willing to pay to have a proper picture of God? You can't just purchase it from somebody else. You have to work on it in your own life, bring in God into proper focus according to your eyes. We're going to look at a couple other passages here. Luke chapter 1 verse 46 and 47. Luke chapter 1, 46 and 47. When you try to magnify the Lord in your life, it's not that you're changing who God is, It's changing your perspective, it's changing your view of God to become more accurate, to become more focused, to understand better and more clearly. The story of Jesus' birth starts off talking about Mary. This passage here we're looking at, 46 and 47 of luke chapter 1 mary uses the word magnify and she says she talks about nothing will be impossible with the lord the lord uh, reveals his plan and the way he wants to do things in her life and that he wants to use her to bring glory to himself and she doesn't understand it she doesn't have to understand everything she doesn't have to really understand every detail but she knows that with God all things are possible. She knows that God can work it out. If that's the plan that He has, then He, he has a way of working it out. And she was fine with that. She was surrendered to that. She says these, these words here in these two verses. said, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. You say, what does it mean to magnify the Lord? It's a lot more than just bringing God into the proper perspective in your own heart. But you must do that first, and after you have done that, you can bring God into the focus of other people's lives through your life. We talked about testimonies, and that's a way. Witnessing is a way. The way that you live is a way. Your words, what comes out of your mouth, can help magnify the Lord. Your attitude. Did you know that people can express an attitude without ever saying a word? Do you know that? You ever been around a person that they just have a bad attitude and somebody would say, well, how do you know they have a bad attitude? What did they say? Well, they didn't say anything. How do you know? You just know. They're kind of like, kind of stomping around and kind of slamming stuff and kind of tossing things and getting this This attitude, you know, how do you know? They didn't say anything. You can convey with your behavior an attitude. Are you magnifying God in every area of your life? She says that her soul doth magnify the Lord. She said she wanted God to carry out His plan through her life, whatever that meant, even though she didn't know all the details. Let's look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. Paul and Timotheus write this letter. And he says in verse 21, he says... For to me to live is Christ, and to die in gain, and to die is gain. But prior to that, he says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death and what he's saying here is he said I want my life to be a lens that people can properly see God and I want my death to do the same thing my life and my death whatever comes whatever I have control of and whatever I don't I want I want everything in my life I want God to use my life in a way to make other people see him more clearly to aid them And properly beholding Christ and properly understanding Christ and properly seeing Him to be a lens, if you will, to magnify a great God to people of mortal flesh. We're going to close with this passage in Psalm chapter 40. Back to Psalm chapter 40, verse number 16. Psalm number 40. Verse number 16, to magnify the Lord. You don't have to add to God's commandments. You don't have to take away from God's commandments. You don't have to say anything differently than, than what God has already said about Himself. You don't have to make up stuff about God. I think some people think, they think that in order to praise God, they have to make up stuff. And there's stuff that gets passed around as, as so-called Christian that's not found in the Bible. There's no place in the Scriptures that says that you should try to make up stuff about God to bring Him glory. You don't have to do that. The Bible is plumb, packed full of stuff. And the longer you live as a Christian, you'll look back in your own pathway of life and you'll see things in your own life that you can glorify God, things that He's done for you and encourage you with. It's not talking about making up stuff. I've, I've heard people preach about heaven and they try to maybe make up stuff to try to make it better than than what the Lord has already said it's going to be. He's not asking you to do that. He's not asking you to tell a fib or a lie or to make-believe something. But the evidence is already there. You've already been given the equipment. Look what he says here in Psalm 40, verse number 16. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Look at that statement, the Lord be magnified. It it was a saying back in that day, and and even Mary there in the New Testament says it. The Lord be magnified in my life. I want everything in my life to bring God glory, to His glory. We've kind of adopted the saying, if the Lord will, it's His glory. If it would glorify God, one of my friends, he always says, I said, What are your plans, or what do you plan to do about this, or what's your schedule tomorrow? Uh, If it would bring God glory, this is what I would like to do. I'd like to bring God glory. Amen. To magnify. Let the Lord be magnified. It's not just a saying. It's not just something that we utter with our lips and it's that. It's just all in our lips. But it's what we convey with our conversation of our life, our behavior, our attitude. The Lord be magnified. There's other passages that talk about Christians magnifying the Lord and the Lord being magnified. And that phrase is used... Again, other times in the Old Testament, the Lord be magnified, where His people are to say, the Lord be magnified. You know, if that's on your mind and if you have to say it every day or every time you think about it, if you just need to verbalize that and say that, that'll help you. That'll help you to bring God into proper perspective. Amen. Let's stand. I know we've kind of gone on a little bit this morning, but I hope, I hope it's been helpful to you to bring God into focus in your life. I want us to bow our heads and, and close our eyes for just a moment. Let God search out our hearts. I think I might have mentioned the illustration before about how I was at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles one time and there was a young man there to take his driver's test but first he had to do an eye exam and they had those little machines on the counter and had to take a little alcohol wipe and sanitize the the forehead bump stop and a lady behind the desk said okay put your forehead up against it and read me the numbers on the fourth line from left to right. And he read maybe the first one, and he started struggling and stammering around, and he couldn't do it. I said, Okay, well, read the little bit bigger ones. He got one, and then he couldn't get any of the other ones. And he said, Can you read anything? He said, No, I can't. And he started to cry. Who he wanted to get his driver's license? I thought he had good eyesight, and he was hurt, broken. The lady said, Well, you, you read some of them. What seems to be the problem? Anyway, he got to looking at it and he was nervous and breathing with his mouth open and had fogged up the little lens. And I wonder sometimes if we don't do that spiritually. We fog up. We make things more difficult for ourselves without realizing it. And we need to be mindful of that. I believe having a proper perspective of God It'll change how you view God. It'll change how we view ourselves. It'll change how we view others. It'll change how we read the Bible. It'll change how we pray. It'll change our experience at church and our experience at home. It'll even change our experience in the world. If we have a proper perspective of God, if we magnify the Lord, is our life magnifying God? The altar is open if anyone needs to pray, but may God help us to magnify Him in all of our life. May we say continually, the Lord be magnified, the Lord be exalted not that we could make Him any bigger or make Him any smaller by the amount of praise that we give Him but He's an amazing God He's an amazing Savior we need to make sure we have a proper perspective you have to choose that you want to magnify the Lord you have to read His Word learn about Him have to pray our worship can magnify the Lord how we live on a day to day basis how we worship the Lord in church and how we worship the Lord just by ourselves may the Lord help us to behold him for who he is we love you Lord we thank you for these passages Lord, we do ask that you would be magnified in our life. Lord, if there's adjustments that need to be made, if the lens of our life needs to be turned a little bit one way or the other to bring you into focus, we're willing to do that. Lord, if we're fogging up our end of the lens so that we can't properly see you, we pray that you would help us to understand what we're doing to fog it up. Lord, we want to understand you. We want to learn more about you. We want to have a proper perspective of you so that we can share you with the lost and dying world. We Thank you for all that you've done and for your word, for your ministry in our own hearts. As we look back over our pathway of life, we pray that you would help us to see the things that you've done in our behalf. Help us to understand your behavior and your character how you operate, help us to exemplify you, help us to portray you for who you are. You are worthy of our praise. May our lives magnify you, everything about us, our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Be with each one of us, Lord, for that will give you praise and glory. May you be magnified in our life today. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.